All content discussed on Hypochondriactor are the individual opinions of Dr. Priyanka Wally and Sean Hayes and should not be construed as personalized medical advice. By listening to this podcast, you agree not to use this podcast as medical advice to treat any medical condition in either yourself or others. Consult your own physician for any medical issues that you may be having. This entire disclaimer also applies to any guests or contributors to the podcast. I'm Dr. Priyanka Wally, medical doctor and stand-up comedian. And I'm Sean Hayes, actor and hypochondriac. It's safe to say that I'm not America's first hypochondriac, but I am America's first hypochondriactor. Hey, Sean. Welcome Hi, back. Hi, Priyanka. I'm so glad you memorized <laughs> my name because do you always do stuff to look to see what my name is on the paper? <laughs> Yeah, no, every time, every time I'm like, wait, what am I doing here? What year is it? Um, wait, what is the, what is the earliest memory you could ever have? Because I remember mine. People are like. really going there, huh? Yeah, because people are like, people brought like, my sister's like, how do you remember that? How do you remember that? I don't know, maybe because I was the youngest and I just soaked up, you know, I was an observer, so I memorized everything. But I remember yeah. being one or two and moving from this little town next to the city of Chicago into the suburbs of Chicago. And I remember hiding behind the furniture that was in plastic up against the wall, mm -hmm. you know, in the new house, mm -hmm. this new yeah. tiny, 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 tiny house that we have. Isn't that weird? So it's funny you mentioned that because when I was really young, like one and two, I also... And three and four. Here we go. <laughs> Five, six, Take seven, seven and, a, and a one and a two and a three and a four. I actually had to live in India for a period of time, and I very clearly have this memory as a young one. It just comes in snippets. It's just mm -hmm. like little flashes of yeah. like the wall of the house yeah, or certain ways that the sun looked, the light. Oh, wow. Coming into the house. Yeah. Yeah. Like I remember things like that. Just sort of like vague memories, but it's very clear. It sort of like is in my body. Yeah. Yeah. I remember that. I, I remember feeling like the sun and stuff like that. Like that. And somebody else brought this up the other day, how amazing the brain is, that we can watch so many hours of television and movies and videos and texts and emails, whatever you're looking at. Or you don't know that you remember. But then if somebody mm -hmm. said, you remember that scene and like this thing in the TV show when you were like five, mm -hmm. you're like, yeah. So there's mm -hmm. like a bank somewhere mm -hmm. that's just filling up with yeah. all this stuff. It's getting stored, right? Yeah. And a lot of it gets stored in the body. It's not just happening in a cognitive level. The memories get stored in your body. So yeah. you may not remember the actual details of the story of your childhood, but you remember what you felt. You yeah. remember the feeling. Well, speaking of when I was younger, this isn't like infant, but this is like, you know, when I was a kid, my three yeah. older brothers used to hide behind the furnace downstairs. One brother mm. would, and my two other brothers would force me to go down there in the pitch dark and say, be careful of the furnace monster. And mm. I couldn't turn back upstairs until I reached the bottom. And you couldn't see your own hand in front of your face. It was so dark. The second I reached the bottom, my brother Kevin would bang so hard on the furnace. <laughs> Oh my God, that sounds terrifying. <laughs> it's funny now, but it's like, it was yeah. so traumatizing. They're like, furnace monster, right. furnace monster. I'm like, the right. furnace monster. There's a monster that was in the furnace. So anytime at night that it would go, you know, the furnace would be on or whatever. Yeah. It would be clanky or noisy. They'd be like, that's the furnace monster. I'm like, what? Oh, Totally. Totally. You know, growing up, my mom would tell me this bedtime story. It was called Wee Billy Winky. And she would be like, What's you have that? to go to sleep because if you don't, Wee Willy Winky will come. And then I would like lie there at night, like terrified that Wee Willy Winky was just going to come what? get me. And then sometimes she would be like, Priyanka, wait, is that, is that, who is that? <sighs> And and, she, and then I'll be like, oh my god, god it's, it's wee, wee willy, willy winky, winky. And, then, and then I'd be like, okay, I'll go to sleep. I'll go to so sleep. many questions. Oh. First of all, what the hell is wheel? What? How did she I come up know. with that? I, I don't know. I don't know. And in fact, one time we had friends coming over for a sleepover, and like we were being really loud and, and like yeah. rowdy, and so she did the wee willy winky thing to them, and they told me years later they were like, you know, Priyanka, your mom told us that story. We were traumatized. <laughs> After staying at your house, that scared the shit out of us. That's so and I was funny. like, yeah, she does that for me like once a week. Like, I guess I'm just used to it. They're like, we're never sleeping over ever again. 
<laughs> but yeah, I mean that I'm stating the obvious, but that's the opposite of, of something to tell your child to make them go to sleep. I mean, I know. You, you better go to sleep or else a monster will get you. It's like I mean, this no, that's... is one of the many reasons I spend so much money in therapy decades yeah, later. Exactly. Oh man. Oh my god. Really winky. The fear response as a child, it's such a interesting phenomenon, right? I mean, we're all traumatized by by villains and like things like that, but guess who our guest is today that played one of the most famous villains. Oh my goodness, Michael, Michael Rosenbaum. Rosenbaum. Oh, oh my, my god. Gosh. He was Lex Luthor in Smallville. I can't I know. I can't wait to yeah. meet him. I've heard great great things about him. Um all right, but before but, we get to Michael, let's hear from our listeners. This first recorded message is from someone named Louise. Let's listen. Hi Dr. Wally. Hi Sean. This is Louise. Um, Sean, since you're a national treasure of physical comedy, this one's for you. Um, I started running with my dad when I was nine, and I ran my first half marathon a year later at 10. And a few weeks later, we were in um, Philadelphia, and we went for a run. And I loved the movie Rocky at the time, so we recreated the route that Rocky runs on his morning training run in the movie, which ends with him running up the steps of the Philadelphia Museum and jumping up and down in champion pose. Mm -hmm. So... There I am on those famous steps pretending to be Rocky, just like I've always dreamed. And suddenly, crack. Something goes horribly wrong with my foot as I'm pretending to be Rocky. Uh-huh. Um, I hobble back to, uh, to the hotel with my dad, who, by the way, Dr. Wally is a doctor. And I should say at this point that I was an attention-seeking liar as a kid oh. who was always hmm. wearing um, a serious injuries. <laughs> so you combine that with the fact that my father was the kind of doctor who felt his family should always be healthy and never have anything wrong with them. And he ignored my complaints for six weeks when he finally took me to the doctor and saw the x-ray, like all the blood drained from his face because my second metatarsal looked like a map. It had so many fractures in it. It turned out I had something called uh, Freiburg disease, which involves like a lack of blood flow to the bone. Um, and I ended up in a cast and on crutches for six weeks, which I loved because I got the key to the elevator in my elementary school. <laughs> oh, my God. Anyway, fast forward 30 years, it hurts again. I get a scan. It never healed properly. Now I have full-on mm. avascular necrosis. But despite the pain, I still run. I still do yoga, even though yoga requires a lot of flexion of the metatarsals. But I figure someday I'll just get a titanium metatarsal and become the Terminator. <laughs> that girl can dream, <laughs> right? All right. Yeah. Thank you very much. Bye. Oh, mm. Louise. Wow. Louise. I have obvious questions that everybody would ask, like, what the hell is she talking about? But, the, but, but first of all, I mentioned this under my breath, but you heard me. I, she said she was a attention-seeking liar, and I was like, I know adults that are attention-seeking liars. I know some adults like that, too. But here's the thing about children. Yeah. When children are making up stories, it's actually because they're trying to get their needs met. When a child expresses pain, it, it means they need attention of some sort. Whether that pain is actually physically based or emotionally based, they need attention. The purpose of expressing pain is to receive attention. Yeah, and that's got to be a tricky thing as a parent because, like, yes. do, do you baby them or do you not baby them because you don't want to, like, right. you know, encourage And it can that. be especially more confusing or even frustrating for the parents if there's no sign of physical injury, yeah. but the child is expressing some sort of pain, right? Yeah. It means there's an unmet need of some yeah. sort. Because I text you, like, things that, you know, when I'm in pain, <laughs> but I never hear back from you. <laughs> I know. You're I'm like, a you don't want to encourage parent. it. <laughs> I'm such a bad parent. <laughs> Louise describes something called avascular necrosis. So yeah. it's it's a term. Uh, necrosis is basically the medical term for abnormal cell death. It's just dying of the cells. Avascular. So vascular means blood vessel. A is the opposite. So basically there's no blood vessel supply to the bone and it yeah. leads to death of some of the bone cells. Oh, wow. So it's kind of like the bone equivalent of a heart attack where your bone and the bone marrow, it loses blood supply, basically. It's very painful. Something that would be healed or medicated with? You know, it's it depends on the underlying cause. I mean, usually you need some type of surgical procedure. Louise yeah. mentioned putting in some steel to replace the bone because the bone yeah. loses the blood supply. But I just want to name, Louise, how sorry I am that you had this for weeks and yes. your father ignored the complaint. I- I know that makes that breaks my heart. 
I have parents who are doctors, so like I can kind of understand, you know, there's so much to unpack here, but I think it's important to remember that my biggest criticism of the current medical system is that it breeds physicians that won't necessarily understand the importance of emotions in our physical health. And sometimes doctors are trained to just look at the obvious. Like if you're, if there's foot pain, there needs to be a broken bone. And if there's not a broken bone, then there's nothing going on, but it's so much deeper than that. Right. right? But then those doctors are probably like, I don't have time to like go into your emotional, I got another appointment in 10 minutes of it. Right. Is that why? Yeah. It's sort of a big systemic issue. And so, you know, it's interesting, Luis, I mean, I'm sure you, you mentioned your dad lost blood in his face when he saw, I'm sure he felt terrible to have this happen to his own child, but it's also just a greater statement about the system that he was trained in and yeah. what sort of doctors are trained to look at, right? Thank God she only did a half marathon. You know what I'd be into doing? Like a twelfth of a marathon. Or just like walking to the bathroom at age yeah. 10. I mean, maybe I'd run like to the backyard yeah. probably, but yeah. a half marathon, that is tremendous. Yeah. Could you imagine if she got there and Apollo Creed was there ready to fight her at 10? Anyway. Oh man. It's a that rocky would be reference. A whole other episode. Yeah, but thank you, Louise. Thank you, Louise. Oh my gosh, I'm glad you're better. The next caller is someone named Elizabeth. Let's listen to Elizabeth. Hey, Sean and Dr. Priyanka. My name is Elizabeth, and I'd like to share my story of infertility. My husband and I had been trying to get pregnant for about three years when I decided to see a fertility doctor. It turned out that I had a very common disorder called PCOS, which is polycystic Mm. ovary syndrome. Uh, which produces multiple cysts in the ovaries and doesn't create a mature egg to be fertilized. Over the course of about a year, the doctors had me begin taking metformin and got me regulated on a nutritious diet. Um, I would also have regular vaginal ultrasounds to check how my body was responding to the treatment. When my doctors noticed that I had responded well to the treatment, they decided that instead of doing IVF, they would try IUI first, which is intrauterine insemination. And I'm Mm -hmm. sure Dr. Wally can explain this process. This is a much less invasive procedure than IVF. In preparation, I had to give myself an HCG injection a couple days before the procedure. Luckily, we only had to do the procedure once before I got pregnant with my beautiful daughter, who will be turning four this summer. Mm. This whole process was extremely fascinating, and now I'm looking into becoming a doula to support mothers going through childbirth. I hope this story gives some women out there hope that there are other options if you're experiencing infertility. And Sean, I wanted to let you know that one of my daughter's favorite books is Plum. So thank you and Scotty for writing it. It also holds a very special place in my heart because I used to be a ballet dancer and I've performed in the Nutcracker several times growing up. Thank you so much for listening. I love you guys. Bye. Oh, that's so sweet, Elizabeth. Thank you for that little shout out. And Plum can be bought. Uh, It's by uh, Simon (laughs) Schuster Publishers uh, every Christmas. No, I'm kidding. Uh, Thank you for buying our little children's book. (laughs) It can be by now. Well, that's very sweet. You know, did I bring up to you about a documentary called Our Father before we get to Elizabeth's thing? You texted me about it, but we have not spoken about it. Did you watch it? Holy. Can you believe that? I started it and then I got really overwhelmed and I had to stop it. It's crazy. It's crazy. In a nutshell, you guys, if you haven't watched Our Father, the documentary, it's insane. It's this infertility doctor. That's why I brought it up because Elizabeth's issue started with infertility. And so all these women who were in, how do you say it? They were infertile for whatever reasons. They were looking to get artificial IVF. IVF, right. They were looking for anonymous sperm donors so that they could have children. These were women that wanted to have children. So the doctor would go in his office, masturbate, bring back the semen and insert it into the woman and the woman would get pregnant and he did this over almost a hundred times so he has a hundred children walking around within a 25 mile radius and he didn't yes. he didn't reveal that this was what was happening he didn't so let them know i mean it was anonymous but he like he was choosing himself for yeah, and, and i mean i just can't even. it's unbelievable and it's tragic because all of these children of this of this doctor have an identity crisis because the yeah the father they grew up with isn't really the biological father that 
right? So yeah, it breaks your heart. There's like half siblings everywhere now, and they can't sue him because there's no like laws against it. Wait, but he's not. Is he alive? I I didn't finish the documentary. Oh yes, he's alive. He's alive. Oh my god. I yeah. I Okay, I got really overwhelmed when I started watching it. First of all, your emotions are like you can't believe this is happening. Oh my god! I know. And then they start talking to the actual offspring and the quote yeah. siblings. And then yeah. you're like, oh, this yeah. breaks your heart. This is so sad. You know, you want some justice for them. Yeah. You know? Oh my no, God. Anyway. you want something. But we digress. Elizabeth. There's a couple of points about Elizabeth's call that I just want to draw attention to. First of all, Elizabeth mentions polycystic ovarian syndrome. So, Sean, this is the most common cause of infertility in women worldwide. Okay. Okay. And basically, your ovaries aren't functioning normally. But what pe- a lot of people don't know about PCOS is that it is basically caused and driven by insulin resistance where your insulin levels get really high. But and you're not diabetic. Dysfunction. So you can, ha- you can not have diabetes, but you can have PCOS, That's which is functional insulin resistance at the level of the ovaries. Wow. And yeah. But in Elizabeth's case, ended up getting this thing called intrauterine insemination, IUI, yeah. Yeah. which is... Basically, the only way to say it, it's like medical sex. They put, they get the what? sperm I'm and in. they put it in your uterus. It's, yeah. <laughs> but that's, that's IVF, right? No, it's not IVF. So IVF IBS. is a process where they first retrieve the egg. They, they create, oh, they oh, right. harvest a bunch of the eggs. Then they fertilize the egg with the sperm outside in a test tube or whatever. And then they place, once they have the embryos, then they put it in the person. But this is, you have the person, you just take the sperm and then you put it directly in the uterus and, you know. But is that what this doctor did? Yeah, I think he was doing IUI. So so what was the end of the story? Her child is four years old and she's going to be a doula. So she can help other yeah, what's women a doula? go through childbirth. So a doula, by definition, is a person that supports a individual who's going through active childbirth. They're guiding the person during labor. They're supporting the person during labor. Yeah. And it's like getting them to there. I mean, I think that sounds kind of fun. Elizabeth, I'm so happy you had children and it all worked out. That's so cool. Now yeah. you're a doula. Ooh. Yes. Maybe I should apply to be a doula. Do, to doula or do not. There's ah. no try. <laughs> Guys, thanks for calling in. We'd love to hear from you. The number to leave us a message is 323-529-6031. Again, 323-529-6031. Keep sharing your stories with us. We love it. Let's get to our guest. We are supported by Masterworks. You've heard me talk about the investing playbook, right? And it's never been more important now. Why? Because experts say you need $1.9 million to retire today. But despite the economic downturn we're facing, I discovered an incredible solution. It's one that's handed savvy investors 30% returns in 2020, 2021, and 2022. That's three years in a row. And they aren't doing anything complicated. They're just using an investment app created by Harvard. Stanford and Columbia alumni called Masterworks. Masterworks goal is to help make you as much money as humanly possible from the $1.7 trillion art market. Their experts have analyzed over 5 million data points to find the best paintings for you. And for someone like me, who's not the brightest person on the planet, something like this, like Masterworks, is so easy to learn and invest in. And investors who have zero art investing backgrounds got 30% returns three years in a row from their paintings. And best of all, they did it with a few clicks. So take your portfolio to the next level by going to masterworks.com now and use promo code HYPO. Their new offerings can often sell out in hours. So again, go to masterworks.com, use promo code HYPO. I'll see you there. See regulation A disclosures at masterworks.com slash CD. We are supported by Indeed. What would you do if your business had to hire great people fast? Here's a hint. You need Indeed. Indeed is the hiring platform where you can attract, interview, and hire all in one place. Instead of spending hours on multiple job sites searching for candidates with the right skills, Indeed's a powerful hiring partner that can help you do it all. One of the things I love about Indeed is that it makes hiring all in one place so easy because you don't have to go out and do all of these extra things that I just talked about, like meeting these people, looking through resumes, all this stuff. It takes place in one little hub called Indeed. Indeed puts you in control of what you pay. You set your 
must-have job requirements and only pay for the applications that meet them. There's a transparent flat fee per application. You can pause your job posting whenever you want. Even better, Indeed's the only job site where you only pay for applications that meet your must-have requirements. And Indeed's doing something no other job site has done. Now with Indeed, businesses only pay for quality applications matching the sponsored job description. Visit Indeed.com slash actor to start hiring now. Just go to Indeed.com slash actor. Indeed.com slash actor. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. There he is. Our guest today is an actor, a writer, a director, and podcaster. It feels like he's played a role in every superhero movie and TV show in the last decade. Amazingly, Seriously. on his podcast, Inside of You, he talks to some of your favorite celebrities and dives deep into their lives, their insecurities, their hopes, and their dreams. I can't wait to be on it. It's the incredible Michael Rosenbaum. Thank you. Yay, Michael. Welcome. Sean, doctor, this is a real pleasure. I, I it am should ready be. for it's like therapy. I'm ready. I listened to the Robert Downey yes. Jr. episode. <laughs> yes. I loved it. Oh, and good. I'm very excited about this. Oh, good, good. Do you say yes. Rosenbaum or Bomb? Here's the deal. When I was, you know, nowadays I say Bomb because it's easier. It's easier to just say, hey, I'm Rosenbaum. Rosenbaum, what's up? But yeah. my dad once said to me, what's your last name? And I said, it's Rosenbaum. Oh, it is, is it? Oh, and I go, uh-oh. yeah, what do you mean? He goes, it's Baum. <laughs> I go, I'm not <laughs> saying Baum to everybody. Yeah. He got yeah, really pissed too, off. He got really pissed off. It's too many vowels. It's too much work. Yeah, it's really guttural. Yeah. It, it, yeah, it nobody has that. Nobody has that kind of time. Look at look at you in your little office. Like you have like I can't see there, but it looks like medical degrees all over you or whatever. I know. No, I have memorabilia. I have a Breakfast Club poster signed by the whole cast. No have, way. Yeah, I have Chris Farley right up there. If I don't know, if I you love can see him. it. Chris Farley and me hanging out oh, one yeah. night. Yeah. There, uh, just like I have toys and shit at my house. It's it's a wonder why I'm single, Sean. <laughs> <laughs> well, you're not. You're not. You don't feel single with all that love and photos around you. Oh yeah, that's right. I just you know what I'm saying. Go, oh, yeah, you're right. You're right. I just, you, memories. Memories you, are what makes you live. What you could you talk to them. You know what we were right. talking. You know what we were talking about right before you came on, and then we're going to get into the good stuff. There's films based on documentaries. So we were just talking about right before you came on. We we're like, I feel like I don't need to see films based on documentaries because I already saw the documentary. So why am I watching the same story over again? Mm-hmm. Like the staircase. Well, the staircase oh, yeah. is fantastic because my friend Patrick Schwarzenegger is in it. it, it everybody is. else is great. <laughs> I watched it. I love yes, it. I saw it's the documentary. Fantastic. And if you haven't seen it, go see it. <laughs> but overall, like there's other ones in the past where I'm just like, I don't need to see that because I know I already know what happens. And they were saying, Well, what right. about Titanic? People could say, Well, you know what happened to Titanic. <laughs> but we didn't see a documentary like where with the with you know beautiful I mean? people. We didn't see a yeah. documentary with really beautiful right. folks. Yeah. Yeah, that's true. <laughs> and people sang the characters' names over and over, like Jack, Rose, Rose, Jack, Jack, Rose, over and over. Remember that? That's very true, very true. I do remember. Only in sitcoms and and a lot of TV shows and dramas too, and you can tell me this about Smallville, or whatever, is the characters will say the other characters' names. Over and over and over again in the course of an episode where in like film, you never say the person's right. name almost. You know, isn't that weird? I think it's, yeah, TV is kind of like, uh, it's cartoonish at times. They just, yes. they don't want you, they, they think that, you know, it's a new viewer, a new listener. They're going to forget the names. We just have to say their name over and over so they're aware of who that is. Yeah, it's kind of amazing. Like, I can't tell you, on Will and Grace be like, Karen, 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 right, Will. <laughs> Will, now Will, now Grace, Grace, when I talk to you, Grace, you know what I mean? Like over and over, it's like people know who they are. <laughs> no one does that. I remember those scenes Nobody. with Lex and Clark, I'd say, Clark, I want you to tell me the truth, Clark. Yeah, yeah, Clark, yeah. listen to me, Clark. Clark, right. Clark, <laughs> shut up! <laughs> so my husband, Scotty, I will do that now in life just to be funny just all to say the his time. Name over all over. the time. Um, Scotty, what would you like for dinner tonight, Scotty? All the time. He's like, you don't have to do that. But wait, Smallville was a massive, massive show. There's so many. Do you go to yes. Comic-Con still? Yeah. For Small- I, it's amazing. I mean, it's it's all over the world. All over fanaticism the world. all over the world. And it's so great. And you were so fucking great on that show. Oh, How many you, years were you, you so on much. it? And by I, the way, better yeah. than any villain ever. Oh, Seriously. you're too sweet. Thank it's you. True. Oh, my God. <laughs> in know, history. It was, a, it was a great <laughs> in history. I don't know about it's that. It's true. It was, history of television. it was a great role. It was a great role. And, um, you know, I didn't watch comics as a kid or, or read comics, and I didn't watch the movies really. So I think in a good way, it was just like learn your lines, be yeah. believable, hit yeah. your mark, 
see what happens. Mm -hmm. And we weren't around really when the internet was booming. So you couldn't see instant gratification, you know, people responding immediately on the, he sucks. Why did they cast this guy as Lex? I didn't have to witness that. So that helped, Mm -hmm. but it was, it was a great role. And you know, I get to go all over the world. I'm going to Australia. That's amazing. Comic-Con and like, and it's on Hulu now. So it's a new audience. So these new kids are coming up to me. It's awesome. I'm very blessed. You're, we're all blessed. We're all blessed. Yes. And, but wait, Mm -hmm. is it true that you quit because you didn't want to shave your head anymore? See, see how rumors get started. You see I don't know. That that's happens? the last I heard. No, and uh, no, that's not. It, it was I. I'd done seven years. I had a contract for six years. I ended up doing another year, which was seven. But yeah. I just, uh-huh. yeah, I, I, in a way, it was everything together. I felt like I had done what I needed to do. The character wasn't growing anymore. It was sort of at a point where you know, and then the shaving of the head. It, you know, it's two hours a day. They really shave it right as close as they can. Yeah. And then they had to put yeah. like uh-huh. three layers of makeup on your head. I mean, it was everything. I just wow. felt like I needed to move on. And yeah, I get it. Was, it. Wow. it was, I get it. It was time, you know. Yes, but, totally uh, get it. But yeah, I mean, shaving your head, you know, isn't the, you know, especially when it's they good. cut you in the morning and you're bleeding and, you know, it's not great. I did yeah. a movie with the Fairley Brothers called The, the Three Stooges. Yes. And, yes. And I had to shave my head twice a day every day because by oh. you know hour hour 10 it would start growing in again so Good i feel back you. so i know i know how it is it's like and then in the hotel room because it was in atlanta in the middle of the summer it was so hot out it was like 110 every day and then but uh, when i got back to the hotel room where it was air conditioned i had to sleep with a ski cap on because oh, my head wow. was so cold Right from the air conditioning. Yes, yeah. it does. It's amazing yeah. how it gets we cold. We lose a lot of heat through our head. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, yeah. That's Dr. Wally weighing in on the heat from the head. <laughs> you know, it was, it was weird too because I had hair my whole life, and yeah. then all of a sudden you're bald for seven years straight, ten months a year. It was an experience. It was a time in my life. I don't wow. regret it. Talk to me about your podcast inside of you. Yes, it started out as someone said, "You have a good voice, so you should do a podcast." You do so, have you a know, great voice. Well, thank mm-hmm. you. I, you know, I just was like, "Okay, sure, I'll do it," and I did it. Mm-hmm. And I felt like, you know, not many people are listening at first, and then mm-hmm. something clicked where I started being vulnerable. I started talking about mm-hmm. my dysfunction, my family, right. and guests started to open up, and some things went viral. And I realized the more you're, mm-hmm. I was just genuine. I was starting to be. Yeah. Genuine and vulnerable and real on the podcast. That's that's right. And then people would open up and they would talk. You know, Mm -hmm. when you talk about your dysfunction and you're being a hypochondriac, it makes people warm up and try and open up to you. So, oh, we talk about buttholes and penises and vaginas. Oh, good. Let's go. Every corner, every crevice. And then the beauty is that, yeah, we get callers from all over who share their their vulnerable stories. Yeah, there's a power to vulnerability. I'm curious, what, where in your process, like, how many months or years into doing the podcast did you finally decide to start opening up to your listeners? I felt like I got to a point where I was trying, I was trying, I was trying. Because you were maybe playing the part of a host or something, you know? Maybe. And it's almost like Stanley Kubrick directing you where on the hundredth take, you start to be a little more real. Yeah, and then yeah. you get more and more real and you start to show your true colors. Ooh, and I kind of, yeah. in a way, gave up in a good way to like, mm-hmm. hey, let's just let it out there. Yeah. So I guess mm-hmm. it was probably a good six months to a year before I started to really open up. And that's when it mm-hmm. all, because I was worried. I was like, you know, my father, what if he listens to this? What if my mom listens to this? What if my sister listens to this? And then I said, fuck it. This is my life, man. This mm-hmm. isn't your life. This is my life. So now wait a minute. Last thing about your career, because you're amazing. You're now part of the Marvel and DC world. Yes, I know. That's really cool. Does that like sink in at night? That is just huge. It's exciting. You know, I just, I love it. You know, James Gunn, who's a good friend of mine, I always have a game where I play where if I say a name, I drop something like, oh, James Gunn. Yeah. And I drop it. It's, oh, he's my friend. Oh, yeah. I know Robert Downey Jr. I drop, I'm a name dropper. Um, but, you know, he, he called me one day and said, you want to do this part? I think it's a small part, but it's going to grow. And so mm-hmm. I got put in the Marvel universe. So uh, to do DC, to do Marvel, I, I just like to do fun things. And yeah. I'm always excited and eager to just try new stuff. So it was, it was a treat. It's really, really cool. It's like a dream for a lot of actors to be part of that world. And much yeah. deserved to you. So let's get to the back surgery because I have back shit too. And I'm always wondering, I'm like, should I get the surgery? Should I not get the surgery? Tell me what you went through and how you found out you had I it. Re- really want to understand what happened. Let's start from the beginning. Yeah. I've been through hell, Priyanka. I yeah. have been through hell. Okay. Um, I have had eight spine surgeries. <gasps> what? Oh my goodness. Two in the neck and six in the in the lower back. 
And I know we're talking about my lower back, but I had neck surgery. It will be brief on that, but I had these problems. And I went to this doctor and the doctor says, you need an artificial disc. Trust me, you're gonna feel a million percent better when you wake up. Trust me, trust uh -huh. me. And I kept calling him saying, are you sure? Are you sure? Are you sure this is gonna do the trick? And finally uh -huh. he, said, he kept saying, yes, this is it. I woke up, worst pain of my life, three months of oh, horrible no. pain. I went to another doctor, they did an MRI and found out that it was loose, that the artificial disc didn't take. Mm. And so they oh, had to take God. it out and they just fused my neck and now I'm fine. But so oh, wow. that was that was one small issue. And that was your first intro to surgeries in your spinal? No, this was only like three years ago. My first surgery when I was I was a young kid, I was like 18 years old. And I think uh -huh. it started, I played sports my whole life, but I think it started when I was uh, working in a grocery store. I know it's embarrassing, it doesn't sound as cool, but uh, <laughs> I was stocking shelves. Well, they're not gonna stock themselves. Well, they're not. We had these boxes that we took off the truck and we would line up like sort of an assembly line and people would throw a box to you and you'd catch it. I remember it was Del Monte oh, wow. peas or pineapples. I remember it was always Del Monte. And I remember <laughs> something shifted. Something shifted, and I was at like 17. So I wasn't really the same after that. And uh, I, mm. sure enough, I, I started having pain shooting down my leg when I went to college. I wow. used to, I remember having a party at my house with my two other roommates. And I remember being in so uh -huh. much pain that I went in my room in the middle of the party and lied down and just was crying because I was Aww. in so much pain at a party. Oh my God. I, I never oh forget no. that. And I knew it was time that I was like, I gotta do something mm -hmm. about this. And I went to the surgeon. He says, you need to have surgery like mm -hmm. yesterday. You have shooting pain down your leg. You're gonna lose feeling in your leg and your feet if you let this go on. I don't know how you've been right. able to deal with this. And why not physical therapy? Why not other treatments, anything? He says it was to a point where it was so shifted that uh, I'm not going to get any relief. And wow. I needed to have And you were surgery. only 18 when you heard this. Yeah. And my parents, I, I hate to say this, but they were assholes. They were like, they were always like, you're fine. You're a hypochondriac. Uh -huh. you can, you're fine. Yeah. Your back's fine. Just rest. Just lie down. Mm -hmm. And finally got to, got to a point where I was taking codeine three with Tylenol constantly. Like just oh, no. every day, like yeah. 10 pills. Finally, mm -hmm. I, my friends were like, what are you doing, dude? And yeah. I went to this mm -hmm. doctor. And I remember looking at the doctor after he said that. I go, this is what I've been telling them for months. And they were too cheap to mm -hmm. get me into the fucking doctor. And they looked at me mm -hmm. like, how dare you? And mm -hmm. <laughs> so I had the surgery. Oh, and that, wow. was, that, was, that was the first surgery. That was lower back. Right. That was lower back. And that was a disc. It was a disc. It was a bulging disc. I had a microdiscectomy. And for mm -hmm. eight years, I was fine. Eight mm -hmm. years, I was mm -hmm. pretty good. And then mm -hmm. I was acting like an asshole. I was doing a movie in Germany. Next thing I know, I was jumping on a trampoline. I felt something. I go, oh my God, that's the same pain that I had like eight years ago. Oh, and God. sure enough, it shifted again. I tried physical therapy. I tried massage. I tried all this stuff and mm -hmm. nothing worked. And I had another surgery and nothing, honestly, nothing worked again as well as okay. it did that first time. And, and I heard that. Yeah. I heard once you have a back surgery, most likely you're gonna have many surgeries. And I thought, mm, nah, wow. that's not me. I'm stronger than that. It's not gonna happen. Mm. And that's what happened. I started to have another surgery. And then it, finally, oh this doctor says, here's what we're gonna do. You have unstable discs. We're gonna fuse mm. lower level. We're gonna fuse it. And the next level, instead of fusing it so you're not as, we want you to be have more mobility. Yeah. So mm -hmm. we're going to give you something that just keeps the mobility. Artificial discs weren't as prevalent as they are now, right? So right. Mm -hmm. they had this device and they said, we're going to put it inside you and mm -hmm. I, you know, inside of you. Um, we're going to oh. do the lower, the lower uh, fusion and then the, <laughs> the other. I was doing a little pun for my. Yeah, no, I got it. Pocket. You got it. It was, it was bad. We'll, we'll, we'll put the laughter in. Put, add the laughter. <laughs> add <Yeah>. the laughter. <laughs> Story of my life. We are supported by Bioptimizers. Did you know that there's one phase of sleep that almost everyone fails to get enough of? And this one phase of sleep is responsible for most of your body's daily rejuvenation, repair, controlling hunger and weight loss hormones, boosting energy and so much more. I'm talking about the deep sleep. And if you don't get enough, you'll probably always struggle with cravings, slow metabolism, premature aging, or even worse conditions. Why don't most people get enough of this one most important phase of sleep? A big reason is magnesium 
deficiency because over 80% of the population is deficient in magnesium. Magnesium also plays a key role in regulating your body's stress response system. Those with magnesium deficiency usually have higher anxiety and stress levels, which negatively impact sleep as well. Now, before you go out and buy a magnesium supplement, it's important to understand that most magnesium products out there are synthetic. That's why I recommend a product my friends over at Bioptimizers created called Magnesium Breakthrough. Taking this magnesium before bed helps you relax and wake up refreshed and energized. The deep sleep benefits are really, really noticeable. You can get 10% off Magnesium Breakthrough, the best aid I know of for boosting deep sleep at magbreakthrough.com slash hypo. Be sure to use hypo for 10% off. So this is a big surgery, they said. We're going to have to cut you uh, from the back, and then we're going to flip you over and go through your stomach, or vice versa. Which Good is a God. very sort of rare approach. It's what you're talking about is anterior and posterior approach, which... Anterior and posterior, yes. So these eight surgeries you had on your spine, is it always the same disc, or is it other yeah, discs? It's, well, it's L4, L5, S1, so it's the bottom of my spine. Yeah, the lower back, yeah. Why are you such a mess down there? Is it genetic, or what's going on? I don't know. I, I don't know. Well, I mean, let's go back a little bit, right? He had surgery at age 18. And right, right. do you remember what which sections of your back they did at that age? I think then it was like L4, L5, S1. I think it was like right okay, around that so, area. So it's a, similar, it's a similar area. But the thing is you operate on one part of the back. Other parts that aren't operated on are still going to have some stress and strain. Right. The upper levels above it take more, more pressure and things. More, you know. Sometimes you need more surgeries, but it sounds like you really, you had it all done. So flash forward. So this difference. <sighs> Device, this special device. Do you remember the name, or can you? I here, I, I can't say the name because the, the okay. story. The story gets better. Okay. okay, but you're hoping it gets better. Yeah, yeah. I honestly, afterwards, was in horrible, horrible pain. They went yeah. anteriorly, posteriorly, all this, and I remember being at home, and for a week, I had mm -hmm. my friend Tom stay with me, and I would mm -hmm. ring a bell or page him or something to come upstairs, and I remember just going like in tears, going. Dude, I'm just, I'm in so much pain right now, man. I think oh I need to go gosh. to the hospital. He looks at me and goes, well, don't cry about it. Oh, God. Oh, <laughs> oh God. No. But, but that's my friend. That's he made me a... smile. He made me smile. He's being a dick. Oh, uh, okay. I this love that. This is what he does. Okay. My good friend Tom Lowry. I love that. I a little shout that. out to him. So, uh, <laughs> but, but after all the suffering, everything looked good in the MRIs. And they're telling me, hey, it's looking good. You're going to be in some pain, but it's going to get better. And it did. It slowly got better. The months passed. I got stronger and stronger. Uh -huh. And all of a sudden, I notice I'm getting ripped up. The best shape of my life. I'm in no pain. Mm -hmm. And this goes on for about eight months. And then I'm doing something. I don't know if I was weightlifting or whatever. And I felt something. And I go, huh. Oh, God. That's weird. And I just thought, oh, that's okay. It's just some back pain like everybody else has normal back pain. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And it got worse. Can I ask a clarifying question? When you say I felt something, can you describe a little bit more of what exactly you felt that it triggered something in you? It felt like something just shifted a little. Like it just, something in my lower back just felt. Like when you get adjusted at a chiropractor, but you did it yourself maybe or something like that? Maybe. It just felt like, <laughs> every, here's the thing. Everybody has back problems. Yeah, but yeah. But nobody mm. suffers with severe back problems. Very few people suffer with the, like... Excruciating, yeah. All the other people, I always think that they just don't understand back pain. They don't understand the pain you're going through right, until right. they have it. Right. And when they have it, I've had people call me crying saying, oh my God, I never understood what you were going through. Right, I had no idea right. what you were mm -hmm. going through. Yeah. This is mm -hmm. horrible. Everybody's a different, right? They, they're like, oh, I can deal with this pain or I can't. Everybody has a different threshold for uh, when do they go to the doctor, yeah. when do they not go to yeah. the doctor. How many surgeries in are you describing now? Yeah. So after that device was put in, how many was that? This was my third. But okay. then they had to go back in and they wanted to clean up, do a little cleanup of some... Uh, what are those called? Bone spurs, they thought. They, yeah. you know, okay. So they wanted yes. to clean yeah. Minor outpatient, but it was still a surgery. Anytime yeah. you go under. Mm. And by the way, I've been under quite a few times. The best terminology I could use, really, that I think of is something just felt like it shifted, that it felt wrong. It felt like a knot that wouldn't go away. Yeah. Something that just okay. really wow. was ca uh, causing me discomfort, okay. where I would Oof. sit 
on a, you know, I grab the end of a desk and I just push it into my yeah. back oh, and God. hold it and Ooh. rub it and like do anything wow. I could. Like, no, I mean, I would torture myself to try and get rid of this pain. Yeah. And wow. um, so I went in and I got an MRI. They go, let's just be safe and get an MRI. Uh-huh. And the doctor called me in and he says, I don't know what to tell you, uh, but the device broke inside. Oh me. my God. And when you say broke, what broke exactly? What is the device? Yeah, well, what is the device? I can't yeah. tell you what the device is, but it just creates mobility. So it moves okay, fine. around. So your spine moves with it. So okay. I can't tell you what it's called because okay. I'll get, uh, for legal reasons. It's supposed to help you move your back. And they guaranteed yeah. me. They said, this is titanium steel. This is, uh, this is you know, okay. we haven't had any problems. Okay, fine. This is, this is the best bet for you. Okay, so. Uh-huh. And he said it broke. But then the doctor said to me, and on top of it, they had some breakage of this device that they didn't report. So if you want me to give a deposition, I will. Oh, wow. So Did then. They... Oh, wow. Okay. I then sued the company. Oh, my God. But let me tell you, when you sue a, med- sue a medical company. Yeah. I mean, they're not like, oh, this is what's happening. They're ready. Dude, they go after you. Let me tell you this. I remember the, we could talk about the pain and talk about all the things I suffered with, but I remember going into this mediation and they would come in and the mediator would say, well, they saw you playing in this celebrity softball game. Here's pictures of this. They caught you <gasps> running here. Like they had like people following me, I guess. And they had all these pictures of me. Was the hospital called Scientology? (laughs) (laughs) Uh, But I'm telling you, Sean, it was it was crazy. And so then they're saying, "Well, he played flag football here. He played celebrity softball here." And I immediately had an answer for it. I'm like, "Well, what am I supposed to do? Just be on Norco's my whole life and sit in my bedroom and just suffer?" Yeah. My doctor Mm -hmm. said that if I if I went out and Mm. did these things that were non-contact sports. I could play them as long as I could handle the pain, but right. it wasn't going to make it any worse. Right. And I had answers mm-hmm. for all of it. So I mm-hmm. had to go out and be active, but they mm-hmm. really tried to get me. They really tried to get me on this. And um, mm-hmm. So then what happened? How long did this go for and what, oh, what ended God. up happening? What ended up happening is I eventually said, what is the best route? I went to, this is what I'll get to. The point is never go to one doctor Yes. Please. Yeah. If yeah. You, somebody tells you yeah. you have cancer and we're going to remove a kidney, see right. two more doctors. Yeah, for sure. Oh, yeah. Yeah, for totally. sure. Totally. So I eventually went to three other surgeons and they said the best thing you could do is just fuse it now at that level. Take the device mm. out and fuse it. And to this day, I have, if you look at my spine, I have a broken mm-hmm. screw that's just sitting in there that they say it won't mm. cause any pain. It's not causing, but it's just sitting there in the middle of my back. Just a broken screw. I have one of those in my brain. I have a screw loose in my brain. So you tell me, Priyanka, what is fusing and what does it mean and do? Yeah, so so basically when we're talking about back surgery, fusing the spine is basically inserting metal devices so that the spine is not moving. So you can't do like sit-ups or whatever. It's basically like stuck. It's you fused it together now and it's stuck and it's not moving. That's good because then you won't have the pain, right? But you won't be able yeah. to what? Do like back bends and stuff. Well, well, you can. It just depends how high up they go. I mean, if you're at the lower level, you could still bend, but the higher if you start fusing your spine every 8 years, then you're going to be like, "Hey, how are you?" just like Frankenstein. Right. So, Michael, let's take a step back. From the age of 18, you have been a frequent visitor to the medical system. You've had your back operated on. You've gone through periods of excruciating pain and relief. How do you make sense of all this in terms of your own sort of wellness? And and what are you doing now for self-care? And where are you? with? Yeah, where's your pain and everything? This is, this is, these are great questions. This is like therapy, and I appreciate it. Yeah. Yeah. I, I can always use extra yeah, therapy, free therapy. Um, <laughs> where I'm at is making myself as comfortable as I can, uh, yes. doing physical therapy, trying to meditate, trying mm-hmm. to take some anti-inflammatories, yeah. trying mm-hmm. to take care of myself. And, yes. you know, because the pain's going to always be there. It's just how much you can deal with when you're on your feet and filming for 12, 14 hours. It's yes. sometimes excruciating. 
So, right. and I'm always a hyper kid. Like, you know, Sean, we're probably alike, Roy. Yeah. You got to make everybody laugh. Center of yeah. attention. This is yeah. great. You yeah. know, look at me. Mm -hmm. I'm fine. But you got to learn. You got to learn to take care of yourself, to sit yeah. down, I lie guess. down for 15 minutes, stretch, yeah. acupuncture, yes. massage, mm -hmm. all these yeah. things to try and prevent more, more surgeries down the road. <laughs> yeah. But Michael, you, you, but you're free of pain now. Yeah. Uh, no, I'm never going to be free of pain, but I, uh, substantially less pain. I still, I still, I still play sports. I still do things, but I do suffer from doing them, Yeah. but I kind of mm -hmm. keep to myself. No one wants to hear about your pains. It's like, so yeah. you just try to keep them in check. Well, we wanted to hear about them today. One of the things though, about experiencing pain, it gives you a capacity to then empathize with other people's pains. Hundred percent. And I'm curious if that if you said you that you helped other people with back pain by giving them advice. But you know, when you meet other people with back pain because of everything that you've been through, do you feel like this allows you to empathize more with people that are going through post-operative recovery and whatnot? Great question. I so much that mm -hmm. I've yeah. become so empathetic and mm -hmm. so just understanding of it that if somebody tells me that they're having the worst back pains of their life and they're at mm -hmm. some party, mm -hmm. I will take them into a back room and show them some stretches and tell them Aww. my doctor's name and this is the physical therapy. I will say, email me, I'll send you all the information yeah. because I, and I, I never would have done that. Not because I was an mm -hmm. asshole, maybe I was, but I, uh, <laughs> because I frankly, I didn't understand, I didn't relate uh -huh. to other people in that regard. Right. But now yes. that I do. I love that you're meeting yes. people with back pain at a party. <laughs> <laughs> what parties am I yeah. going to? Yeah, not like not Trader Joe's or like you know maybe the car wash, you know. But at this party, we're used to lay down and it's get and cry, party. and then yeah. What, what uh, kind of lame parties are you going to? Yeah, so. oh, back pain parties. So I have a question, Priyanka, for you. You know when the when yeah. Michael showed us the hardware that goes inside your body, I've always mm -hmm. wondered like when people have fusion of the spine or whatever, mm -hmm. and you have that metal. Does the metal mm -hmm. inside your body? It's inside your body forever. Yeah, it's. Does it rust? Does it get old? Does it get like what happens to metal inside the body? Yeah. So, you know, that is a really great question. As far as I can tell, sometimes the devices do need to be replaced. And then it depends on sort of what type of metal they're using and yeah. how old the device is, what the shelf life is. Um, so it really is just dependent on what's being done. But there are surgeries where you have to kind of revise old, old steel parts and whatnot. Yeah. yeah. yeah I hope they don't it's have to do that to me because it was probably like, 12 years ago or something that I had this mm -hmm. major surgery. So, I, geez, mm -hmm. I hope that they wouldn't have to take anything else out of me. But no. in, fact, in fact, it's impossible because a lot of that mm -hmm. metal, when you're fused, yeah. it's it's hard to get some of those devices out. I mean, oh, it, it's yeah. actually risky, yeah. I think, too, at yeah. times. Yeah. The rule of thumb is you don't want to play games with back pain and you want to, like, get on it right away. And speaking of the game... Oh, huh? the game! Yeah! Oh, For Dr. Wally's Hall of Fame. You're each going to get three questions with possible points for creativity. Sean, you're up first. Are you ready? Yes, yes, yes. Okay, first question. What part of the body is affected by a condition that has been called piles? Oh my God, piles. What, what, say it again. What part of the body? So what part of your body is affected yeah. by a condition that has been called piles? Good God. I Are you looking it up? Is Who, he me? typing? No, no, no. No, <laughs> no. no. I, no. I, wait, wait. Like piles. what region? What region of well, your it body? Makes me, it makes me think of piles of shit. Some the intestines. I don't <laughs> me know. Me too. Intestines, Ash, you were so close. So it's your rectum. It's your anus. So but that's close piles, enough. I said piles of shit. Piles is also known as hemorrhoids. Piles, yes. piles comes from the old French word Peel, which means a heap peel. or stack. Yeah, peel. So. I, I was going to say that. That's the only yeah. thing I thought of. Our minds directly go to shit. Yeah. So I got. So I okay. have a point. Half a point. You said intestines. Yeah. Okay. Fine. I'll give you a half point. Half okay. Point. Second okay. question. Yeah. Okay, Sean. Yeah. What type of candy grew in popularity because of the movie E.T.? Oh. Reese's Pieces. Come on, Reese's Pieces. Oh wait. Yeah, Reese's Pieces. Yeah. That's correct. Yeah. Yeah. You already That's an said easy. It. That's a good Wait, one. Wait, what were you? Were you? Were you gonna say M and M's? No, no. I couldn't remember if that was the name of the thing. The woman's hand who grabs the Reese's Pieces. It was ET's hand, but it, it was a woman, you know, puppeteer uh -huh. or whatever. And she yeah. drank caffeine that day. A lot of caffeine, so her hands oh. were shaking when she grabbed the Reese's Pieces. 
Wow. Oh, is that why his hand trembles a yeah, little? Yeah. Trivia started. question. Trivia yeah, question. Trivia. What was his name? What was the kid's name in the movie? Elliot, what are you talking about? All right, just making sure you knew it was Elliot. Yeah, Jesus. <laughs> just, just throwing it out there. Sorry. <laughs> okay, okay, third question. In Billy's Hollywood Screen Kiss, yes. what is the first film your character recreates a kissing scene from? Is it From Here to Eternity? That is correct, yes. Is it really? Oh, my, oh my God. God. Wow. So you have like two, wow. two and a half points. Okay, Michael, That's you're right. up. I'm not good with this. I'm not good with trivia. I mean, I'm okay, but we'll see. Okay, but I do give points for creativity. So, oh, good, good, uh, good. All right, So all right, just good. take a guess. Okay, first question. The umbilicus is which part of your body? Umbilicus. The umbilicus. <sighs> umbilicus. For some oh, you reason, were kind I... of pointing to it. The, yeah, is the belly button? That is correct. It is. Yes. Umbilical cord. I was thinking umbilical cord. Oh, umbilical cord. Very good. Yes, that's correct. Okay, question number two. Who is the superhero also known as the Man of Steel? Superman? Oh, God. That is correct. Yes, Superman. Okay. Oh, Reese's Pieces. You got Reese's Pieces. I got Reese's Pieces. You got Superman. You're doing great. Okay, so right now, this is kind of a Wait, wait. I got a Michael Rosenbaum question. What was Superman's real name? Clark Kent. Duh. Okay. <laughs> Where was he from, Sean? Where was Fucking he from? Smallville. No, he was from Krypton. <laughs> oh, yeah. <laughs> he was from Smallville. Well, he came to Smallville. <laughs> okay, okay, here we go, here we go. Third question. In Smallville, why uh -oh. was your character Lex Luthor bald? Because, oh. of course, there, in the pilot episode, there's a meteor shower that hits Smallville, and I get lost yes. in the cornfields, and the meteor shower takes my hair off. No way. That is correct. Yes. Michael, you have won Dr. Wally's Hall of Fame. You Michael won. won. Correct. Wow. wow. I cannot believe Congratulations. it. Michael Rosenbaum, thank, thank you. you for being here today. You are the best, and thank you for sharing your story. I was fascinated by that because I have this back pain, treat. too. So yes. it was really, really cool to hear it. Well, and call I'm me if you ever have any problems. Seriously, I have the best doctors. Yeah. By now, you can trust me. Yeah, okay, good. Well, look at uh, this one. This is have... a treat, guys. This is a great time. I really had fun with it. Thank you, pal. It was so great of you to show up. All right. Yeah. Bye. Bye, pal. Ciao, See you guys. Bye. Ciao. <laughs> How great was that? I can't imagine going through eight back surgeries. After two, you'd be like, what's going on? You know what I mean? Starting at the age of 18, he was so young. I mean, that's just a lot. I know. What do you think he should have done at like 18? You didn't want to do physical well, therapy? Well, you can always do like 20-20 hindsight. I mean, it sounds like at the age of 18 that things were pretty severe that it was reached a point, but I can only assume that there were symptoms prior to the, when he turned 18. And yeah. I wish we had more time to unpack the details of the story, but yeah, um, it's fascinating. Yeah, it's it fascinating that he went through all that. Yeah. Super sweet. And it's super important to share your experiences. Right. And, yes. it, you know, Michael's one and thank you to Luis and Elizabeth also yes. for sharing their stories as well. Yeah. Um, you guys are great. Thank you for yeah, listening. Love thank hearing from you all. Thank you, and we'll see you next time here on Hypochondriac. Thanks for listening, you guys. Don't worry. Be healthy. Bye. Bye. Hypochondriactor is a Hazy Mills production hosted by me, Sean Hayes, and Dr. Priyanka Wally. Rebecca Eisenberg and Todd Milliner are our executive producers. Production and editing is by Rabbit Grin Productions. Original music by Scott Eisenogle and Leo Rosner. This is a Hazy Mills production. All content discussed on Hypochondriactor are the individual opinions of Dr. Priyanka Wally and Sean Hayes and should not be construed as personalized medical advice. By listening to this podcast, you agree not to use this podcast as medical advice to treat any medical condition in either yourself or others. Please consult your own physician for any medical issues that you may be having. This entire disclaimer also applies to any guests or contributors to the podcast.